Welcome to the Prosperous Piano Teacher Podcast. I'm Ashley Young, pianist, instructor, and business coach, and I'm here to help you dream big about what your studio could be if you are willing to open your mind and level up your business skills. I'm going to share the tangible strategies that I've learned for streamlining and scaling your studio so that you can align your business to work for your life instead of letting your business control your life. I am so happy that you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of The Prosperous Piano Teacher. If you are new here, I'm Ashley, and it is so great to have you. And I am really looking forward to today's episode. We're going to be talking about the toxic norms about how much you charge, your rates, that big question that I know so many people struggle with when they're setting rates, when they're considering you know, raising rates and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the reason that I titled this episode, The Toxic Norms, quote unquote, <laughs> is because these are things that I have seen in online communities. These are things that I have had actual business coaching clients say to me, um, just kind of the stories that we tell ourselves and the reasons that we give for how we come up with our rate whether that's undercharging or overcharging. In most cases, it is undercharging, um, but that's what we're going to dive into. And so if you haven't noticed, I'm very passionate um, about talking about rates for piano lessons. And that's because on a whole, you know, 95%, 95% of what I see out there is that teachers are undercharging. They're providing so much value and just so many incredible services and things to their students and to their families, and they're not being compensated fairly. And time and time again, I see this lead to burnout. I see this lead to people being really unhappy with what they're doing and feeling like they're being taken advantage of or being resentful of their students, um, or ultimately maybe pursuing different paths because they can't make it sustainable in a way that feels good to them. And of course, I don't want this for anyone. I definitely don't want this for you. Um, and like I mentioned, there are just so many toxic norms, beliefs that are accepted, you know, in the industry and in our society as what people consider normal that harm not only the individual music teachers, but also the entire industry and the market. And ultimately, also the families that you work with, the students that you work with every single day. So today we're going to go over three of these quote unquote norms that I believe to be toxic, or at least at the very least, they are very unhelpful. And um, these are things that I've seen people, these are, these are taken from actual real life piano teachers. These are, you know, some of these things I have said myself at some point in my journey, but a lot of these are things that I've either seen online or that piano teachers have directly said to me when I'm working with them. So let's dive in. Um, the first toxic norm that I see all the time is that musicians should be motivated by the love of the instrument. And I have had so many teachers say this to me, to my face. And I've also had people say this to me that were potential customers. And this is such a toxic norm. First of all, I should say that it is, it is true. I mean, we are all motivated by the love of the instrument, right? I don't know a single piano teacher. I don't know a single music teacher that got into the business like just to teach. That's generally not where it starts, right? Most people's journey, and I bet that your journey started with a love of a piece of music or a love of a specific instrument or a love of practicing or the art of performing or the art of being able to play through a piece. You know, it, we, we all came to this because of our love for the instrument. And now we are teaching and the, the like hidden half sorry, the hidden second half of that sentence that isn't said, but that is kind of implied is that, you know, therefore musicians should not be paid very much. 
because it's the love of the instrument that they're doing it for. And the first part of the statement is true, as I just illustrated. Musicians should be motivated by the love of the instrument. And we are, right? Like that is always the case. However, the conclusion or the end point or like that implied hidden second half of the statement is so toxic. And I've seen this come up. I actually, I, someone shared an example with me where um, they shared their rates uh, with a student that was inquiring. And the person actually said like, oh, it, like that's a really, really, really high rate. I didn't realize that you would charge so much. I thought you were doing this because you loved it. And um, this person came to me and, and they were really upset about that interaction. And I totally understand why, because that's an awful thing to have someone say to you, right? Like to say, oh, you should love this enough that you shouldn't charge this much. And that's that's a really extreme example, but it happens. Um, it, it happens in more subtle ways too. Like I remember, I can't tell you how many times in my life, and I'm sure this has happened to you at some point too, where like I'll tell people that I'm a musician and I'll, they'll say, what do you do for a living? And I'll say, oh, I'm a musician. And they'll say, but right, but like, how do you actually make money? <laughs> because it's just kind of like a commonly held societal belief that you can't make money or you shouldn't make money as a musician. Musicians aren't compensated fairly. And it's such, it's just, it's a very toxic belief. It's a toxic way of thinking. And I want to make sure that while society might believe this, or while there might be aspects of the industry that reinforce this, we do not have to ascribe to this belief, right? Individually, you do not have to believe this. You can be motivated by your love of the instrument and that can be your why. That can be what drives you every day to show up and to connect with your students and to do what you do. But that doesn't also mean that you shouldn't make any money or that you should chronically undercharge or that you should devalue your services and what you are offering. Okay, those two things are not related. You can hold space for the love that you have and also be compensated fairly or be compensated whatever you want in order to provide your services. Okay, toxic norm number two is that people often say they want music lessons to be accessible to everyone. And I totally get it. I also believe this. I, again, I love music. We all do, right? That's what's got us involved. And teachers and musicians and artists generally have the biggest hearts out of anyone I've ever met. And so we all want everyone to be able to afford lessons because it's beautiful to be able to share music with people, right? Especially, and it, like my heart breaks for people that aren't able to afford lessons. Um, and so I firmly believe that music lessons should be accessible to everyone. However, using that statement that you want music lessons to be affordable to everyone to justify undercharging, again, is not sound logic. And let me paint two pictures here for you. So I'm going to paint a picture of a teacher that charges below market value, okay, or maybe right at the market average. And this teacher is charging a rate where they have to have a pretty full studio um, in order to make the amount of money that they want to make. And so maybe they're teaching like 30 hours a week, 30 or 40 hours a week. They're teaching a lot of students and they're charging lower than the market standard because they want lessons to be for everyone. And so they have this full studio, things are thriving, but they're probably feeling pretty exhausted because they're giving a lot of themselves and they're doing it from a place where they want music lessons to be affordable to everyone. And so therefore they have a lot of students that are still paying for lessons. They're just paying like, you know, average or a little bit lower than average. Now I wanna paint another picture for you of a teacher that charges higher than average, but because they charge higher than average, they maybe teach 25 hours a week, 
right? So they're teaching 25 hours a week and they have more time in their week to devote to their own personal endeavors and also to feed themselves creatively. So they, they really show up to every single lesson enthusiastic and excited and they're well rested and they're not feeling sucked of energy and they're not feeling like they're overextending themselves. So they show up for every single lesson with you know, more enthusiasm and more energy. And they're ultimately able to provide a higher level of quality to the people that they work with because they have more energy and because they're not running themselves thin when it comes to teaching too many students. Now, because this teacher also charges a little bit above average, the other cool thing is that they are able to have three to five scholarship spots available in their studio, meaning that they open up three to five spots every single term for someone that either can't afford lessons at all or is a scholarship student. So maybe they pay what they can, or maybe it's a set rate, but it's significantly lower than all of the other students. And I'm curious, which picture sounds like it's really making more of an impact when you think about the fact that you want music lessons to be accessible to everyone. Because we have an immense amount of power to share our gift with people that can't afford it. But if you're doing it at the expense of yourself and at the expense of all of the people that you're teaching because you are overextended and you are teaching more students than you want to be teaching and you are teaching more hours than you want to be teaching, you're not really serving anyone at the highest level, right? Because not only are you suffering in your time and your energy, all of your students are suffering as well because you're not able to serve them at that highest level. If you um, tune into the second story that I told of a teacher who maybe charges a little bit more, maybe even a little bit of a premium. Maybe, maybe her rates are something that they, you know, people even scoff at when they see the website, but she's also able to really show up and serve the people that really can't afford it because she can offer free lessons to those people. And she can do that with a certain number of slots. And that makes really a longer term and a bigger impact. So if you want music lessons to be accessible to everyone, create a business that feeds you and gives you what you, what you need so that you have the time and the energy to really make a lasting long-term impact and to really show up and help people that can't afford lessons or to really show up and work on a regular basis to make lessons accessible to everyone. This, the, the other thing I, I often think about is that like part of what I do um, in the online space on my YouTube channel is I offer a lot of free content and I will do free workshops, free challenges where people can show up for like hours a week with me in a Zoom room and get access to private teaching for free. And the wild thing is that even when you make something free, not everybody wants it. Right. And so when we go into undervaluing our services and setting our rates too low because we want to make lessons accessible to everyone, what we're really doing is we're kind of watering down the market because not everybody wants lessons. Right. Not everybody wants lessons. And so show up for the people that really can't afford them, that really want lessons and provide those scholarship opportunities, but don't do it at the expense of yourself. All right, I'm gonna get off my soapbox on that one. Okay, the third toxic norm around um, what you charge for lessons is that money just isn't an important part of business. And this is more of like a subconscious belief because when I say money isn't an important part of business, you might not consciously be thinking that, right? Chances are you probably aren't consciously thinking that. Um, we all know on some level that like in the society that we live in, money is important to an extent because we have to be able to exchange it for goods and to buy food and all of that kind of stuff. But 
you might subconsciously not be prioritizing money or you might not think that it's that important of a part of your business if you are not consciously or actively working on your relationship with money. And this is something that I discovered just a couple of years ago. And this thought literally never occurred to me. And it showed in my finances because I, you know, money stressed me out. And especially when it came to my business and how much I was charging and like how much was coming in versus how much I was spending, I just wasn't paying a ton of attention. I mean, I knew the general numbers, but I wasn't like calculating profit and loss statements every month. And I wasn't really actively working on my relationship with money. And this was a new concept to me. And honestly, when I first heard about working on your relationship with money, I was like, that sounds bogus. Like <laughs> that doesn't even sound like a real thing. But the more I started to do research and the more books I read, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a real thing. And this is a life-changing thing. You're, you have a relationship with money, whether you want to admit it or not, just like you have a relationship with your family, with your children or with your significant other, with your parents, like you have a relationship with money. And if you're not working on that relationship actively, then there are most likely some under the surface, behind the scenes, subconscious beliefs that are directly informing what your money reality looks like right now. And so um, let me give you an example. And, and the example is kind of the, um, the point that I'm making here, which is that money isn't an important part of your business. So if you think back to what I shared about myself a few years ago, I kind of knew the general numbers, but I wasn't really taking time out of my calendar to prioritize looking at my bank accounts when it came to my business and creating those profit and losses and keeping track of like what is coming in and what is going out and what am I spending things on? And because I wasn't prioritizing those things, I was just kind of letting it exist in the background. I was making a fine amount of money, but also there were a lot of expenses that when I did finally start to look at my relationship with money, I was able to reevaluate and I was able to streamline some processes to save some money. And I was able to then allocate money to things that I more consciously wanted to bring into my business. I was able to afford the services that I really wanted because I had a better grip on what was going on and the reality of the finances in my business. And therefore I could prioritize better. Um, Another example is uh, like some of the things that I was just kind of talking about, like those toxic norms, one really, really, really prevalent one. And I might say it and you might think like, no, that's not me. But a belief that a lot of people have is that they aren't worthy of money. Right. And when I take these toxic norms, these are things that people say out loud. But when I work with clients one on one and we are face to face and we're really diving deep on how much they're charging for rates and why they're charging that much. And do they need to raise it or do they need to lower it? That's never the case. Do they need to keep it the same? You know, what are the justifications for the rate? And we, we start to dive deeper beyond the surface level things that people say. Oftentimes people don't charge more because they're, they don't believe they're worth it. They don't believe that they can actually say that number and that people will pay it. They think that people will judge them. They think that people won't pay it. They, they go into a scarcity mindset of like, I'm never going to have clients if I'm charging that much. All sorts of things come up for people and they're all rooted in fear and this belief that perhaps you're not worthy enough to charge that much money. So I'm gonna leave you with that little nugget and, and to kind of crunch on, if you've never thought of your relationship with money as a reflection of how much you value yourself or how much you think you are worth, I want you to just sit with that for a little while and, and explore it. Don't judge yourself. You're not wrong. You know, this is a part of being human, but just sit with that and think on it and see if you can find any correlations between the two. At the end of the day, 
I want you to value yourself because you are worthy. You have an, a gift that you are choosing to share with the world and with the families in your studio. And you can do it in a way where you have energy and where people respect you and where you don't feel like you're super scattered and running around with like a chicken with your head cut off, right? You can do it in a way that is more sustainable if you value yourself. I want you to value the experience that you provide for your families. You are providing immense value to the people that you work with. I know you are, because if you are here listening to a podcast about how to better your business, you are a go-getter. You are the type of person that is putting so much thought and care into your lessons. And so you are providing those families with a immensely valuable experience and also value the industry, right? Because at the end of the day, if, if we were to take every single piano teacher in, I'll say in the United States, because that's where I am, and every single piano teacher raised their rates, it would be immensely valuable for the industry as a whole. Because when we come back to that like societal norm that musicians should be motivated by the love and they shouldn't be making money for it or they don't get paid well enough, we don't have to accept that, right? Like that might be a message that we hear from the industry or from society, but you as an individual piano teacher, you don't have to accept that as your reality. And when we value the industry and we charge, you know, average or a little higher than average, or maybe even a lot higher than average, quote unquote, for the industry, it actually makes the entire industry more valuable and it helps every single piano teacher. So I want you to value yourself, value the experience you provide for your families and value the industry. Just know that you are worth it and sit for a minute with your relationship with money and have a think on it. And if you have any thoughts, please connect with me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. You can send me a DM um, and let me know what your thoughts are on this. Is this something that you've thought about before? Is this something that you know you struggle with? Or is this a new topic that you want to explore more of? I want to hear from you and I can't wait to connect with you. I hope that you have an amazing talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I love connecting with open-minded business owners from all over the world. As you know, a studio policy is one of the most important assets of your business, and a good studio policy will save you time and energy. For this reason, I created a free PDF with a list of three ways that you can level up your studio policy right now. To grab the free PDF, head on over to ashleyjyoung.com slash level up, and the link is in the show notes as well. Talk to you soon.